And we'll get into this. Father, we love you. We thank you for this gathering. We thank you for your word that leads us, that guides us. Your word is alive and it's active. God, I love that because it takes all the pressure off me to do anything. So, Father, I pray that your word meets us where we are in our faith journey. I pray that it can encourage us, pray that we can be taught, that we can learn, or maybe convicted, God, of, of some poor choices in our life. So let us hear from you directly. We love you and we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. So, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Um, again, as I said, we're going to two more weeks after today. Uh, last week, we left off with Paul giving his resume. And it's super impressive based on the culture and the time in which he lived. All right, for you and I today, it's like, okay, big deal. Hebrew, Hebrews. No, 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 no. It's super impressive. And his point in giving his resume is that we should not ever have confidence in our flesh. Without Jesus, we're nothing. Plain and simple. And that we should take the same approach that Paul did, consider it all a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Is Jesus worth more than your 401k? Is Jesus worth more, or is He more important than your social media popularity? The clicks, the likes. That's what He's talking about. Is I consider all of that worthless, nothing. I consider it all a loss. And then here's what He says next, starting in verse 12, Philippians chapter 3. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Verses 12 and 13, right out of the gate, right? This is the next section following the thoughts that were before this, obviously. I have not obtained all this. Or he says, I have not already arrived at my goal, he says. He goes in verse 13, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of this. Paul's making a point for you and I. See, in verses 7 through 10, not on the screen, Paul talks about the life that he desires to live. Where he considers all things of this life garbage. 
confidence in the flesh. Remember what we called it? Y'all remember it? Skibulon. Anybody repeating that one? Huh? Bad words. Don't say Skibulon in church. You're cussing. It's, 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 never mind. Y'all get the point. That's what he considers these things. He's, he's making this point that confidence in the flesh is, is dung. Okay? He goes, but I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection and to participate in his sufferings. That's what I'm wanting. That's what I, I long for those things. But then verse 12 rolls around and he says, I have not yet obtained all this or I have not arrived there yet. You ever think in your faith journey that you've arrived? Hey, I've, I've, I've settled into a nice groove. I've kind of, I've got this thing figured out. Let me tell you, Paul's like, I haven't figured it out yet. That's my goal. I, I want to consider these things a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. I have not yet obtained all of these things. And then he says this. But one thing I do. You know, I started the week, uh, I, I put this together. I start on the Sunday before and I get the text and I, and I start studying the Sunday before and I, I go in and I highlight some things. And so that, that's, that's kind of my morning routine. So this morning I spent on next week's sermon going through some stuff. And, and, and long about Thursday of this week, as I was going over this text one more time, this phrase, one thing I do, just kind of leapt off the page. Man, that's interesting. This one thing I do, he says. And, and, and then I started thinking about Jesus' ministry and the things that, that he asked the different people he encountered to do. I was like, you know, Jesus never gave people who came to him this laundry list of things that they must do. He, he would typically give them one thing. The rich young ruler came to Jesus. He's like, I've done all this stuff. What's the thing I got to do? And there's this dialogue back and forth. And Jesus says, one thing you lack. Sell your possessions so you can follow me. One thing. And, and then you think about Martha, who invited Mary and Martha, invited Jesus into their home. And Jesus is sitting out there, and he's in the living room, and he's, he's teaching, and he's doing his thing, and he's got a crowd there. And, and wh where's the sister Mary? Yeah, she's that sister. She's, she's sitting at Jesus' feet. And what's Martha doing? She's running around. She's being a gracious host. I mean, she's getting the, the casseroles cooked, and she's, she's making sure the plates are clean. And I mean, she's got Jesus a special spot right up here. And, and, and where's her heart, really? I can't believe my here I am doing all the work. It's just me over here working, 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 working. And what is she doing? She's sitting down there. You know, place, her place is in the kitchen. That's what Martha said. Ladies, Martha said it, not me. Okay? Her place is in the kitchen with me. And what's Jesus say? Huh? There's only one thing needed. Mary's got it figured out, Martha. You don't. There's the man who's got a legion Demons living in him. He's, he's crazy, man. Like, they got him chained in, in, in the cemetery. He's, they got him chained to, 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 to tombs and stuff. And he's out there and people are scared of him. And Jesus encounters him and he casts the pigs into, I mean, he casts the demons into these pigs. And the pigs go do the swan dive into the, 
thing, and the guy's like, here, I want to come with you, I want to come with you. And Jesus is like, no, there's one thing I need you to do. You stay here. So you tell people about me. Church, I'm telling you, man, there's, there's all kinds of stories that we can look at through this lens. There's healings where Jesus would tell the recipient of, about His grace and His mercy, and, and, and there was just do this one thing. See, I think part of our struggles in the Christian faith is that we complicate. We, we, we try to fix everything. We, we, we self-examine our lives, and we look at our lives, and we think of all the ways that I don't have it together. And I need to fix this area. And I need to fix this area. And I need to fix this area. And I need to fix this area over here. I need this, this, this. And I need all of that taken care of. And Paul's like, but one thing, I do. And I'm telling you, I, I really think if we just simplified it. Lord, reveal to me, as David wrote in Psalm 139, what's, what's one thing? That's what he says. Reveal to me anything that does not please you, Lord. But one thing I do. Here's what he says. I forget what is behind. And I strain towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It it is one thing, church. He's forgetting what is behind because you can't focus on the future. You can't strain towards what is ahead while you're sitting over here in the past. Forgetting what is behind. Now, the older I get, forgetting is becoming easier and easier. (laughs) Right? I just had a birthday this week, and I'm on the fast track to senility. I mean, I'm there, man. Like I'm 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 at this place where forgetting is just like, oh yeah, that's that's really good. However, in my forgetful nature, you want to know the stuff that doesn't seem to be erased from my memory? The mistakes, the sin, the regret, and there are decisions in my past that still haunt me. We've got to remember it. It's easy to say it out loud. It's easy to, to, to get an amen out of it. Man, we are not defined by our past. We are not defined by our mistakes. That's easy to sit here and say, you're right, you're right, we're not. But you want to know what I struggle with? And those things are there. And I'll let Satan pull me back into it. That's why I've got to strain towards what is ahead. See, if I'm not straining forward to the future, to what is ahead, where's my mind going to go? It's going to go back over here in the past. And the life I live on this earth is a life centered on me becoming like Jesus. That's what I'm straining toward. And the only thing I have to remember is that as I'm straining toward Jesus, all that stuff is behind me. All of that stuff is behind me. And so that's Paul. The one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me, and I strain toward what is ahead. And then he says this, this life has this prize. Right now, we don't get to experience it in this life, but there's a prize that awaits, and it's called heaven. He says, I press on. I press on. It's the second time in this passage that he uses this phrase. 
It means intense endeavor. That's what it is. You go, you go back to the text last week where, where Paul said that we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We didn't talk about it last week, but that whole fear and trembling understanding is that, is that we're not working for our salvation, we're to work out our salvation. And that fear and trembling is there's a sense of urgency. Right? Like, like it's important. Because you think about the times where, 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 where you've had the, the moments of being fearful. You're, you're, you've got that thing and you're like to the point of, of, of trembling. Like action is about to happen. Like you're going you're gonna to respond to things. I remember this one time. Man, I live in this little duplex. And I get up early and I go, this is when I was working at UPS, and, and like I get up at like, there's a three o'clock in the morning if you didn't know. Okay, there's two of those on the, on the, during the day. And I got to get up super early to go into UPS. And, and when I go outside to warm my truck up, because, you know, I got to have a warm truck to drive the mile and a half to get to UPS. So I let it run for 15 minutes to drive it three minutes. Yeah, I know, it didn't make sense. But anyway, that, you can judge me for that. I go out there and I warm my truck up and I see in this little duplex where we live this, this flashlight down the road. And then I see some car lights. I'm like, well, that's odd. I never see car lights. So I'm doing my thing. I go back inside, and I come out. And when I get in my truck to back up, those car lights have turned into our little driveway, and they're shining directly into my rearview mirror. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what is about to go down? And I'm telling you right now, without any hesitation, hands on a gun. Like, I'm, I mean, look here. We're going to wake up the neighborhood right here. I don't even have any idea what's going on, but it is about to go down because nothing good, Mama said, happens after midnight, right? <laughs> and so I, I get out, and it is by my side, hand is on it, and this guy's shining a flashlight in my eye, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, here it is. It's happening. And he's like, have you seen my dog? I'm like, what? I mean, you almost got shot over a dog? Man, let me tell you. But what happened in that moment of fear and trembling, action is about to take place. I mean, something is about to go down. That's the sense of urgency that he tells us that, that we're to have when we're working out our salvation. Same thing here. I press on. Some Greek languages actually mean, don't get offense to this now, okay? To sweat. Because you know what happens when you're sweating. You're working. You're getting, you're getting after it. The Greeks use this phrase to describe a hunter pursuing his prey. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, um, trophy hunting was not a thing back then. They hunted for survival. They, they hunted because, oh, we want to eat. And so, you know, it's one thing to pursue prey for, you know, I'm going to put something on my wall. It's another thing if i got to feed a family. There's a, there's a little more rigorous intensity to what needs to happen. It is used with the attitude of pursuing something that is favored. It is, as we say, to get after it, to hustle. You know, there was a particular football game on yesterday. There was a lot of football games on yesterday. Uh, some teams uh, traveled to Texas, and they didn't really play. Um, and then there were some other teams that kind of Pacific Northwest. There was a game out there I heard. Um, some ducks were involved. And this uh, one team that played yesterday, they were getting all the attention. Like all football season long, they've been getting all the, they've been the talk of all of college football, you know, since week zero or one or whatever it was. 
their opponent, who was ranked higher, they had this mission to not only win the game, but to make a point in winning the game. To the point that leading 35 to nothing at halftime, the coach said, we ain't done yet. We're, we're not finished with what we have to do. Man, and you could just tell. The Oregon Ducks came out, and they played at a different level in all phases of the game. They were getting after it. And it was this intense endeavor to complete the mission of whipping the other team's tail. That's the effort that Paul is saying that he is giving. This strong sense of urgency. There's a strong desire to take hold of the prize. And for Paul, nothing else matters. The journey of Christ-likeness for Paul is not some passive effort that involves coming to church every now and again. That involves coming to life group every now and again. That involves, involves doing some devotions every now and again. It's not about that. I press on. I'm hustling. I'm getting after it because I want to claim this prize. And then look what he says in verse, verse 15. All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that to God will make it clear. He, he's throwing some shade right here is what he's doing. He's like, hey, Philippian church, he goes, this is the way I live my life because this is how Christ has convicted me. The one thing I do is I strive. I forget what's in the past. I look forward to the future. I'm straining towards what is ahead, and that is me becoming like Jesus Christ. That's it. That I press on to this goal. And he goes, those of you who are also mature like me, you would have the same view. So I ask you, church, are you mature? Now, now, this is just a marker of maturity. Maturity is not based on this alone. But if it were, if this is the, the mentality, if this, is, if this is the effort that we are to be making, are you mature? Are you making the same effort in pursuing the one thing, straining toward what is ahead for you in this life and the eternal prize that awaits? And he says, if you, if you are in agreement with Paul, he desires that you finally come around. And that's just what he's wanting. He's like, if you disagree, if you're not there yet, I, I, I hope that you come around and you agree with him. Y'all have been here before. You've been in those arguments before, right? It's the age-old saying, if you just disagree with me, you must like being wrong. That's what he's saying to him. Hey, because this is it. If you, if you disagree with me, you must like being wrong. I want you to come participate in this effort that I am giving. And then verse 16. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. There's a beautiful thing about living in God's world. There's not going to be an entrance exam to get into heaven. Uh, you don't have to worry about that. 
There's not going to be a written test. It's not going to be a scantron. It's not, you don't have to go to some testing center. It's, it's, it's none of that. There's not, there's not a test on knowledge that we have to get into heaven to claim the prize that he's talking about. It doesn't exist. Paul's instructions to you and I is live up to what you already know. That's what he's saying, church. Take the Bible knowledge you have and act on it more and more. That's what he's saying. What if you've never learned another Bible fact or detail? What if, what if you never learned another Bible fact or detail and you only focused on living out what you already know? What would happen? I mean, do you need more Greek words like skibulon? Do you need to know the Greek word for I press on, poor and theo? You, does that matter to you? Does, it, does, that, does that gain you more maturity? Well, what about learning to show the people who are going gonna to go eat lunch in just a little while? And we all know the quality of service is just plummeting in our country right now. It's terrible. And if you're anything like me, you're going to get frustrated. And you're going to be regretting going to wherever it is. I hate this place. Never come back here ever again. You're going to mark them off the list forever. Oh, but wait a minute. The Bible says that I should treat this person with gentleness and kindness. I should love this person. And what, what if, since I already have that knowledge, I actually live that out in the moments of life where it's actually difficult? That's what Paul is saying. You should attain to the things that you already know. And so if I don't learn another fact, if I don't learn anything, and I'm not anti-knowledge. I have conversations with a couple of you that, that think that I'm just anti-learning anything. I'm not. I'm taking Bible classes right now as we speak. I'm hoping to, to become more and more knowledgeable, to hide God's Word in my heart. But here's what I know what Paul's saying to this church, and I think it's certainly applicable to you and I. You would mature in your relationship with Christ and others if you only took what you currently know right now and started living it out better and better. Maturity is as much about living out what we do know as it is about learning new Bible information. And here's the thing. You want to know why? And I believe this. I believe this with core. I, I, this, is, this is all my... You want to know why we crave knowledge so much in the church? Because gaining knowledge is the easy part. I can feel accomplished. I learned something. And now I can go about my life. That's the easy part. Living that out, oh, that's, that's where it gets difficult. Just live up to what you have already attained. And then Paul gives us this motivation. And there's a complete sermon in verse 20 alone. But our citizenship is in heaven. We're not, we're not American citizens first. We are children of God. And our citizenship is not in this country that we value and that we love and that we fight for and that we are overtaxed and all that good stuff. And we could just go down that list. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's home. We went to 
Gainesville last Friday night, and of course that's where Amanda and I are from, that area, and we're hanging out with friends, and then we got to spend the next day with family in my childhood home growing up, and it was asked on Friday night, would you, do you ever desire to come home? According to what Paul's saying, yeah, because it's in heaven. It's not here in Arcade, Georgia. We eagerly await a Savior, he says, from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Do not miss what he's saying. The power to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Y'all know I got me a new truck. New to me. It's actually an older truck than what I was currently driving. It's 2001. Big loud thing. It rumbles. And it's a manual. I, I could drive. Right? Some of y'all just cruise control and just go. I got to drive. I got to pay attention. I got to shift gears and everything. I told Amanda this morning. It's like, I think this clutch is hurting my knee. <laughs> like, I'm 49 years old. I'm telling you, I got to push this clutch in all the time. I really and truly think it is doing damage to my left knee. I was like, how, how sad is that that I'm going to have to sell this truck because it's aggravating my knee? Like, I, I, I can't wrap my mind around that as a man. <laughs> Right? But but that's it. And that's a that's the lowly body happening in real life, in real time. And he's gonna transform these broken bodies. So they will be like his glorious body. That's the motivation. That's the motivation for us to press on. To forget the things that are in the past and strain towards what is ahead. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for what Paul has to say here to us. Father, I, I pray that we can forget the past. We can forget the, the speed bumps, the blunders, the stuff that's back there that Satan uses to hold us down. Father, I, I pray that we can press on. We can have our eyes on what awaits us. In, in this life on this earth as I breathe today, it's about becoming like Jesus because that's what you desire. But then the greater prize, Father, is, is what awaits and that's heaven. So Father, I'm, I don't understand heaven entirely. I, 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 I know that we don't have the words to accurately describe heaven. We can't fully grasp in our current state what it is to to be in Your presence and what that's going to look like. Father, I pray that the motivation of being citizens in heaven is enough to spur me on, to press on, to take hold. What You have called me heavenly, Father. I pray this prayer over our church. Amen.